natural thing to acknowledge this morning in prayer. Amen? Amen. All right, friends, you know that I like to talk about my smartphone, don't you? That's because at least I carry around something that's smart with me, right? I'm smart in some ways. Some ways they get me in trouble. And then my phone helps me in other ways. So if you have if you have your smartphone, you know that if you have an iPhone, you have someone that walks around with you, right? And I'm not talking about the government. I'm talking about Siri, right? Right? China, government, no, whoever. But you know that Siri is with you if you have an iPhone. If you have an Android phone, you know that you have an assistant, right? That's what Google calls the the AI that's that's in your phone, the the Google Assistant. Now, have you have you ever tried? If you've ever tried to use it, the Assistant or the Siri, you know that that it can be a really cool, good tool, especially if you have you're, you're, you have fat fingers and you're trying to type on the phone, right? So I find it easier that instead of trying to type a text, sometimes, you know, I'll get in there and I'll just hit the button and I'll just speak it and, 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 and she'll type the text for me. And it's really intuitive, isn't it? It, it can pick up your, your voice and, it, and it, is, it is so much better today than it, than it has been in recent, you know, when, when, it was first, when it was first invented. Another thing that I can do is I can, I can tell uh, my Google Assistant to, to set an alarm for me, okay? So let me see if I, can, if I can do that for you here, okay? Set a reminder. What's the reminder? To give my wife a good kiss today. All right, give my wife a good kiss today. When do you want to be reminded? Four o'clock. Sure, I'll remind you at 4 p.m. Pretty good, right? So you, 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 can, set, you can set your reminders. It'll, it'll go off for you. You can, even, you, can even ask, you can even ask it a question. Say that you have a trivia question that, that you need answered, okay? All right, here we go. If Peter Piper picked a peck of pickled peppers, how many pickled peppers did Peter Piper pick? Oh, I didn't do it. Hold on. Hold on. Here we go. If Peter Piper picked a peck of pickled peppers, how many pickled peppers did Peter Piper pick? Eight quarts. According to reference.com, a peck is a unit of measurement of dry volume. One peck is equal to eight dry quarts or 16 dry pints, so Peter picked eight quarts of peppers. Yeah, pretty good, right? It's pretty good to have an assistant with you, right? To have something that you... You carry around with you that, you know, when you have a question, when you're trying to figure something out, you can ask it, you know, when does Walgreens close? Or, you know, show me the, the, what time this movie plays at this theater. And it'll, it'll find it for you and it'll tell you when it is. Now, even as, as good as that is, it's, it's still artificial intelligence, right? It's still like an AI, right? It's still software. It's still tech it's not personal i tried earlier to ask it to you know you know like i i, I asked i said i'm having a bad day and it couldn't respond i asked i said will you pray for me and it and it didn't respond i, I tried to see what the response would be and and there w- there was no response 
And you know, I, 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 you know when, we, when we talk to these assistants, Siri or assistants or whatever, and we get this mechanical voice back, there's just no feeling, there's no connection, there's no emotion. It's just, well, it's just information, right? It's just information. And I wonder sometimes if our prayers aren't the same. If our prayers just sometimes, like when, when God is listening to us and he's listening to us pray, if it doesn't sometimes come across as emotionless, bland, just informative, just like Siri, just like Google Assistant. I wonder if that's how God feels when he hears my prayers. Because just think about, Think about your prayers. How often do you find yourself quoting yourself in your prayers? Time after time, day after day, every time you sit down and, and to, to pray over a meal or to pray over a subject, and it's, it's, the, it's, it's just words. It's just information. It's just there. I feel like sometimes our prayers are like Siri or they're passionless, they're emotionless. There's not really a real person there when we're praying. And I'm not talking about on the other end. I'm talking about on our end as we vocalize those prayers. For some, our prayers are kind of blasé. They're, they're empty. They're powerless. And so today, as we're in our second series of the power of one, we're talking about the power of one prayer. I want us to rediscover the power behind praying. Discover together what spirit-filled praying can and should look like. And in order to do that, we, we first have to recognize that, you know, we have to recognize that, that we have a connection here, a connection that we are dependent on and we must learn how to depend on that connection. There are times when I'm out somewhere and I'm trying to make a call or someone's trying to call me and, and we talk and, and I, every other word makes it through because the connection isn't that great or the connection gets dropped. How, how fun is that, right? And some of you, you know, you've, you've, you've joined a particular uh, uh, network because you don't want to have to ask the question, can you hear me now? That's right. You, you, know, you, you want to make certain that there's a connection and a connection that you depend on and that there's a connection that isn't broken. Our first point this morning is that we need to learn how to depend on our connection with God. Because it is the total opposite with God. With God, we know that he's always, always, always on the other end. He's always on the other end. Now, and he's always going to take the time to listen to what you have to say. You've got his ear. You've got his attention. Now, there was a time in my house on a Sunday afternoon when you don't interrupt daddy's football game 
I mean, when the saints are on, I mean, that is God's team, amen? When the saints are on TV, you don't mess with daddy. I remember there was a time when my lovely better half would be so frustrated at me when we would get home at church on Sundays because she emphasized sitting around the dinner table to watch, not to watch, to eat, to eat after church on Sundays, to eat. There was, there was no angle between my chair and the TV. So I just asked, no, I just said, the game is on, honey. But then God did the miraculous and he gave the vision. He put the vision in a person's heart to create DVR. That's my wife, not me. Because then she could say, well, can't you just pause that? Yeah, I guess so. And then, you know, so my whole point here is that the connection is there between us and God. There's never a time when it's broken. There's never anything else that's more important. There's never another situation that's more dire. He's big enough. He's available enough. He's dependable enough. You can trust that he hears you. 1 John 5, 14 says, and this is the confidence that we have toward him. He hears us. And this reminds me of King Hezekiah in 2 Kings chapter 20. In 2 Kings chapter 20, Hezekiah is lying on his deathbed. He's lying on his deathbed. He had just received word from Isaiah that his days on earth are numbered. And here's how scripture reads. Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. Remember, O Lord, how I have walked before you faithfully and with wholehearted devotion and have done what is good in your eyes. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Before Isaiah had left the middle court, the word of the Lord came to him. Go back and tell Hezekiah, the leader of my people, this is what the Lord, the God of your father David says. I have heard your prayer and seen your tears. I will heal you. And he goes on to say, and I will add 15 years to your, to your life. This, is, this was a, a man that turned to God in his desperation, in his fear, in his worry, and in tears cried out to God. That is an example of what the power of prayer can do. Do we believe it? Do we trust in it? Do we believe that God hears? Do we believe that God is able? Depend on your connection. Don't ever stop praying. Pray, pray, pray. And when you believe that you've prayed enough, pray some more. Don't ever, ever stop praying. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. Don't ever, ever stop praying. Another way prayer can be powerful is when we recognize its changing effects on the person doing the praying. Of course, we, we acknowledge the effects of prayer on a given situation, like in Hezekiah's situation. And I'm sure that you have, you have um, uh, testimonies as to times when, when God stepped into your life. 
when God answered that prayer, that, that prayer that seemed as if there was just no way, there's just, he's just, there's just no way that he's going to do this for me, is it? Is there? And, and he did. We have those testimonies. But think about this, and this is our second point. The prayer's power over you. Prayer's power on you. Have you, have you ever known a person who clearly fought their battles on their knees? Have you ever known anyone like that? That, they, that this was a true prayer warrior. This is a prayer warrior in its truest sense. You knew that that person had to buy new pants often because they rubbed their knees. Who... This was a person who would take anything, I mean anything, no matter how big or how small, how impressively massive or how diminutive. And he, would, he or she would go to God in prayer and that person expected God to answer. Have you ever known anyone like that who prayed with that type of power, that type of belief, that type of faith? It was, this was a special kind of person, a different sort of person, because they had a peace and they walked in victory. They had a way about them because their prayer life had an effect on them. It gave them assurance. It had a deep impact on them. And it was something, it's something that you just don't see on anyone but you do on the person who knows how to approach the throne of God. Have you ever known anyone like Miss Clara? done it again Lord you've done it again you are good and you are mighty and you are merciful and you keep taking care of me when I don't deserve it praise you Jesus you are Lord give me another one Lord Guide me to who you want me to help. Raise up more that will call upon your name. Raise up those that love you and seek you and trust you. Raise them up, Lord. Raise them up. Lord, we need a generation of believers who are not ashamed of the gospel. We need an army of believers, Lord that hate to be lukewarm and will stand on your word above all else. Raise them up, Lord, raise them up. 
I pray for unity among those that love you. I pray that you open their eyes so that they can see your truth, Lord. I pray for your hand of protection and guidance. Raise up a generation, Lord, that will take light into this world, that will not compromise when under pressure, that will not cower, Lord, when others fall away. Raise them up, Lord, that they will proclaim that there is salvation in the name of Jesus Christ. Raise up warriors, Lord, who will fight on their knees, who will worship you with their whole hearts, Lord. Lord, call us to battle, that we may proclaim you King of kings and Lord of lords. I pray these things with all my heart. It's a powerful movie, if you remember that movie from a few years ago. And it's a great reminder, too, of what prayer does in the person who has that room, where they wage battle, where they pray, where they go before God in, well, just as they are. I believe that when God's people start praying, and I mean really get into spirit-filled praying, you find a different type of people. You find a people who walk in victory because they recognize that when they give that prayer over to God, that the battle is already won. You find a different sort of person Peter says that we're supposed to be a different sort of person, doesn't he? Is it 1 Peter 2, 9, right? That we are different. There's a reason why we're different. Because we are under a holy conviction. Let me ask you, when was the last time that you prayed under a holy conviction? Just consider in your life what that looks like. How to define that. When was the last time that you prayed in conviction over that lost friend or co-worker when was the last time that that you prayed in conviction over that person in your life who was going through the most broken moment ever they're in the most broken place ever when was the last time that you had conviction in your prayer i believe that when we start praying with conviction it changes us because we recognize that we, we, we're giving it to one who's, who's already won the battle. And he's waiting on us to recognize that we have too. Prayer changes people and it starts with the person who is praying. And if we're ever going to have any sort of impact. And I'm talking about impact as a church. Or impact as a believer in an unbelieving home or in an unbelieving workplace or an unbelieving society, then we need to be under a special Holy Spirit type of conviction. I believe prayer connects us with the heart of God. It doesn't, it's just not an open chain of conversation, an open line of communication between us and God. 
But think about this, when we don't practice it, and I'm not just talking about, you know, just giving him our daily needs and pulling out our prayer requests and, and, just, and just, you know, just going over the, having an organ recital, going over all the different organs that people have going on. I'm talking about submitting ourselves to the will of God in prayer. That changes. And the change starts when the person praying. And when we don't, we miss out on the two means in which God changes people. Through his word and through prayer. You're doing one, the other, both, or you're not doing either. Which one is it in your life? Now, the Bible reading part, the Bible part is for another message. I'm talking about getting down under conviction on our knees before God. When I think of praying in the Spirit, I think of the example Jesus gave us. In Luke 22, when he says, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. And this is what 43 says. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. That wasn't just describing what Jesus' prayer was like. It is describing the way our prayers are to be like. But we get into this routine. We get into this habit. We get into this practice where we just, we just, we have this token expression of prayer. We just, we tag it on. It's just, it's just something that you have to do, something you're supposed to do. It's just something that, that, that. If you don't do it, then you're wrong. You're in the wrong if you don't open the service this way. If you don't close the time in this way, you're wrong. If you don't, if you don't bless the food and give thanks for the food before you pray, you're in the wrong. And it's just habit and routine. When was the last time that God had to send his angel to strengthen you and to comfort you as you fell down before him in holy conviction, in spirit-filled prayer? Or has it been spirit-less prayer? see, we are so formal. We are too formal. We are so formal, we find ourselves more in the wrong than in the right. And when we pray, if you don't feel comfortable yelling at God, getting to the point of anguish, if you don't get to the point to where you are pounding your fist, if, there, if that never happens, ask yourself why. Is it because, you know, it's God, you're supposed to be, you know. No, it's God. And when he knows the pain in your heart, Hezekiah turned to the wall and he wept in soreness is the, is the, is the true um, is the true translation of the Hebrew word there. He, he wept till he was sore. Have you ever gotten to that point and God had to give you a peace? When God had to show you, I am here, I have it, I have it. Prayer does something in the life of the person under conviction who's giving it a holy conviction. So I'm going to go off on a little tangent now. You might think he already has. No, I'm going to go off on a little tangent here. 
permission granted. Thank you. All right. So, 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 so here's, here's, here's the big thought. Are we a church that prays or are we a praying church? Are we a church that prays or are we a praying church? Now, let me, let me tell you what this means. A church that prays tags prayer onto its list of things to do. A praying church bathes everything it does in prayer. Submits everything it does to God in prayer. Understand that there is not anything that we do that is too small that shouldn't be taken to God in prayer. Understands that it is powerless without praying in the Spirit. Understands that it is ineffective without Spirit-filled prayer. Understands that it can't do anything unless it's prayed over. How many of us are relying on the scheminess and the craftiness of a few pastors and staff members to get this church to grow? How many of you have walked the hallways, gone into the rooms down the preschool hall, into the children's wing, into the student ministry center? How many of you have gone in there and prayed for God to fill those rooms again? difference between a church that prays and a praying church is one that understands that it's not about what we put on the calendar it's what we put before the throne of God let me encourage you when you get here on Sundays, when you leave here on Sundays, when you get here on Wednesday nights, let me encourage you, if you're not doing anything during the week, come during office hours and ask, can I go and sit in a room for an hour and just pray over it? That's the difference between a church that prays and a praying church. What might happen if we took that type of time and we bathed our rooms in prayer revival would revival would what if we began praying that way every day Every time you come in, you just take a little bit of a detour and you go into a room and you took a couple of chairs in that room and you just prayed over that chair that God would fill it. That you prayed for that teacher, that God would anoint that teacher. What might happen? Are we afraid of what might happen? Or is it what we desire to see happen? then we need to be praying for it. We need to come under conviction regarding it. Tangent finished. My third point for the morning, or probably fifth and sixth, I've lost track by now. The eternal power of one prayer, talking about embracing prayer's power over your oikos. 
See, up to now, it's all been about the effects of prayer on you, on the person giving it. But what about prayer's power over your oikos? Let me tell you, give you some examples of when God's people wrestled with him over a situation. Genesis 32, Jacob wanted to be blessed by God. So what did he get into with God? A wrestling match. And he was beating God in this wrestling match. And so God touched his hip, right, to put it out of socket. Pretty good wrestling move. Abraham, he wrestled with God. He was about to pass judgment onto Sodom. And Abraham pleaded with God. What if they, he could find 50 righteous people in Sodom? And then God has said, if I find 50, then okay, I'll spare them. And then Abraham said, well, what about 45? Okay, 45. What about 40? Okay, 40. What about 30? All right, yeah, I'll spare them if I find 30. What about 20? Okay, sure. How about 10, God? Would you spare the whole town if you found 10 righteous men? Sure, I'll spare them if I find 10. Those are the exact numbers in, in, this, in Scripture there. 50, 45, 40, he, he pleaded, he argued with God. He challenged God. In Exodus 32, when Moses comes down off of Mount Sinai, he discovers the Israelites had fashioned a golden calf and are worshiping around it and doing all sorts of unmentionables. And here's his prayer. Oh, what a great sin these people have committed. They have made themselves gold's gods of gold but now please forgive their sin but if not then blot me out of the book you have written Moses pleaded with God have mercy let me ask you when was the last time you asked God have mercy on fill in the blank have mercy on this person have mercy on my friend have mercy on my spouse great question as to whether or not God's mind can be changed according to some of these passages is up to debate. Some say yes, some say no, I'm not going to dive into that. But there's something that we do see and that it is okay to argue with and debate and challenge God. He's big enough. He can take it. He is a compassionate God too. And I, know, I believe there's one thing that he honors, and that is when his people, when you and I stand in the gap for the lost. He hears us. He listens to us. God, please have mercy. Forgive them, for they know not what they do. There is hope, hope for repentance, hope for redemption when there's a believer standing between God and his wrath. There is hope for where there's a believer, there's a witness, where there's a witness, there's a testimony. When there's a testimony, there is hope. And so if we want to see the Lord have an impact in our oikos and in our church, then we need to be willing to get into the ring and wrestle with God over some matters. God, the direction that we're in 
It don't look good. Have mercy on us. God, the direction that my friend is in, it's breaking my heart. Have mercy on him. Jump into battle. Call on his name. Pray for his mercy. You are the one that he'll listen to. You are that someone. And that friend in your life, in your oikos, that's who you need to be praying and wrestling for. Fighting for in prayer. The time for spiritless and passionate, passionless prayer is over. It's got to be put in the past. We need to be prayer walking our neighborhoods. We need to be in our neighborhoods praying over households. We need to be in our neighborhood, this church's neighborhood, praying over homes, praying for mercy, praying for open hearts, praying for willingness, the willingness to listen. And we need believers to be praying those prayers. Send me, Lord. Send me to the next one you need me to reach, Lord. Give me another one I can pray for, that I can speak to, just like Miss Clara. We need believers who are passionate to pray over the rooms in our hallways. Fill that classroom, anoint that teacher, use me in any way necessary to fill that room, Lord. We need to be under a holy conviction if that's ever going to happen. Jesus said that when we pray, we are going to move mountains. Do we believe that? I can tell you what, there are mountains that need to be moved in some person's life so that they can see the grace of God. Is it a physical mountain? There is something about us, spirit living within us, that when we go before God's throne in prayer, under conviction, mountains move. Do we believe it? So my challenge for you today, if you go to our church's Facebook page, I have posted a number of of prayer calendars up there. Prayer calendars for spouses that you can go through and be praying for your spouse every day, a guide. Prayer calendars for moms and dads to pray over your children, your teenagers. Even a prayer calendar to pray over your adult children. Prayer calendars for you to to lead and guide you through a, a prayer for your lost friend, co-worker, neighbor. There's also a guide on there for you to download as to specific ways you can be praying for the ministries of a church, of this church, each and every day. So I, I invite you to take on a different sort of, 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 of challenge. 
than, than what we usually ask. I'm not just going to ask you, be people of prayer, please. Who will pray? No, I'm not doing that. Because you should already be doing it. But I've given you some tools on our Facebook page that you can follow along with that can encourage you in that. But there's other things too. Praying over our rooms and our ministries, but praying over each other. Women getting together and praying for each other. Men getting together and supporting each other in prayer. Friends. Some of you lifelong friends. You grew up in this church. Coming together and saying, I need a prayer partner. I need somebody that will help me battle these things in my life. We need to get serious about praying. As I said, the time for spiritless and passionless praying has passed. You can pull out your phone. You can set a reminder on your phone. Set a reminder. Maybe. Now it chooses not to work. course technology all right but first you'll have to unlock your device all right that illustration crashed and burned set a reminder on your calendar for an alarm to go off every morning eight o'clock nine o'clock whenever get on your knees and pray As I close, I want to refer back to the story of King Hezekiah. As he came to learn that his days were numbered, he turned to the wall and prayed and wept profusely. That's a good Bible word, profusely. But that word for profusely really means in pain and sorely. Because it broke his heart over the news that he was given. When was the last time you prayed until it hurt for your lost friend, your coworker, your spouse, your child, your neighbor, your church? Don't underestimate the power of that one prayer. Let's pray.